Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the pets and plants and people that are important to you. This week, while on my way to work, in heavy traffic, I saw a woman driving a car while applying makeup on her face. And she was using the brushes, she's using the eyeliner, she's doing all the stuff, and it's not the first time I've witnessed this happening, and I'm not at all against it. I actually love it when I see it. It's rare that I catch a woman doing this, but to me, it's absolutely fascinating. I, I don't have any sisters, and I grew up with a mother who never wore makeup, and my wife doesn't wear makeup, so when I see this happening out in the world, it makes me feel like I'm observing a rare natural occurrence, like a snake shedding its skin or a seahorse giving birth. Please don't get the wrong idea. I don't find, you know, women applying makeup at all titillating. I think it's more the idea of watching somebody do something in their car they would usually do in the privacy of their own home. I've never seen it, but I'm guessing I'd be just as captivated if I saw a man shaving his face while driving. Anyway, I'll, I'll be thinking about that lady driving while putting on her makeup for a long, long time. Folks, you are listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 11 novels that are all currently available worldwide in both ebook and paperback via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Hello, people are the enemy listeners. This is episode 309 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. It's good to have you along. Hope you're doing well. Hope your December is off to a fine, fine start. November was a very busy month for me. This past weekend, I enjoyed uh, reconnecting with my family. Which was nice. My wife and I spent a lot of time together. Did some food shopping together. Nice, right? Alright, the lyrics are about to kick in. So I'm going to fade this sucker out. Alright, here we go. Oh, I love it. Love that band. For those who don't know, that was MGMT with the song Kids. 
So good. Did you see Tom Sharpling's music video for the latest MGMT single, Bubblegum Dog? Holy moly, what a music video. You gotta check that out. It's on YouTube. When he said he was doing a music video for a big act, I, you know, it's, I didn't even think MGMT. I don't know, I don't know why, but I was thinking of, like, acts that have been in the studio recently. I thought it might have been, but I should have, I should have known MGMT, of course. They've been guests on the show. And Tom loves them. And boy, did he do them a solid with that video. That was a fantastic video. Well done, Mr. Sharpling. If you do look it up on YouTube, what's cool is he put, all, or somebody put, all the credits, including, like, all the people who were in the audience. And, of course, I had to scour that list, looking for people I love who are affiliated with the best show. There's Chucky. He was in it. The funk, what is he, the funk god? Is that what he calls himself? Uh, Max Beasley. I became a recent fan of Max Beasley. When he was on the 24-hour episode, I thought his appearance was so much fun and so funny. I went on YouTube, watched all of his movies. He's got some short films up there and some stand-up. Funny, funny character. Was there anybody else in there? Oh, Brett Davis. Yeah. Watch that music video again. You can pick out these people. Really, really cool that that happened. Uh, I love that MGMT uh, song, Kids. Love that MGMT album. Love all. You know, the only one I'm not familiar with is that self-titled one. I've really got to familiarize myself with it. But congratulations was kind of the point. I got on board, then I did a little backtracking, then have followed them since. What a great, great band. Speaking about backtracking, or riding behind, I was riding behind a, driving behind a, a truck, a white truck this past week, with a, uh, or rather this weekend, with a Hulk Hogan doll strapped to it. <laughs> Like, really? Now? <laughs> Who's going to put a Hulk Hogan anything on anything they have now? You know what I mean? I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Hulk Hogan got fired, you know, after a racist outburst was caught on tape. And he was using a, a horrible slur, you know. That and the whole, uh, that whole uh, thing with uh, Bubba the Love Sponge. I'm not going to talk about it, but, oh boy, I don't, I don't think Hulk Hogan is a hero. Dear Lord, I don't know how you're going to put that guy in the back of your truck. What else, uh, what else was I, did I want to talk to you about? Oh, oh yeah, it's December, it's Christmas time, my wife put up her Christmas tree, the Christmas tree, I should say. She put it in the basement so the dog won't eat the ornaments like she did last year. Yeah, oh yeah. Do you put up a Christmas tree? If you're a single person, do you put up a Christmas tree? I'd be curious to know. I don't know if I would. I kind of think I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I imagine if I was single and I had a roommate, or more than one roommate, and they wanted to put up a Christmas tree, I'd be into it. But I think if I was just like a single dude living alone... I don't know if it's something I would do. I don't know if I'd do any Christmas decorations. Maybe I'd do lights. But I can't imagine being a single person and putting up a Christmas tree. 
Just not something uh, I'm that crazy about. I hate decorating Christmas trees. I don't often use the word hate. But uh, that's something I don't, I don't care to do at all. I don't know why it bothers me. I think it's because, you know, you spend so much time and care putting up these ornaments. And yeah, the tree is pretty for, you know, the month. How long do you have a tree up for? Well, if you put it up in... I suppose if you put it up in early December, you take it down just after New Year's, you've got it for about a month, right? But it feels weird to me, like spending so much time decorating something and then having to take it all apart again. It's probably the same reason why I'm not like a cook or I don't care for cooking. You know, the food I make is so simple for myself. If I'm cooking for one, I'll eat a, I'll eat a, a bucket of popcorn for dinner. I do that a lot. I'll make uh, veggie burgers, you know. Just, you know, very simple things. I think it's probably because I feel like, you know, you watch somebody spend a lot of time, and, and this is, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate it. You know, this time of year, especially on social media, you'll see people spending a lot of time on beautiful Christmas cookies. Really, really taking time to make these detailed, beautiful Christmas cookies. But I always think, like, it's beautiful and uh, good for you. I'm glad you filmed it because when somebody eats it, it's going to be gone in about seven seconds. And that's it, you know? And to me, it's like, ah, that's that's art that was, you know, it was here and now it's gone. Uh, speaking about art that was here and now it's gone, this past week at work, I met a guy who uh, whose father makes sandcastles professionally. Can you imagine? Just beautiful. And he showed me some photos of his dad's works. And this is his, like, full-time job. This is his gig. And he's been doing this since, I guess, he was with some friends as a late teenager, entering contests and whatnot. And he's gone on to make some some of these beautiful, I say, sandcastles, sand sculptures. He made one for Taylor Swift. That must have been for something that she did. It was just an incredible, incredibly detailed sand sculpture. But there's something that's, you know, it's not going to last, obviously. You make it and then it disappears. But maybe that's the nature of art, right? I don't know. As a writer, I don't like to think so. As a writer, I like to think, oh, this books will be around for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, not everything will hold up in time, obviously. But, uh, you know, you, know, you think about some of the great paintings, you know, but then you think about things that we've lost, you know? Think about films, right? You know, aren't they like, aren't like the old celluloid that they used to make films on? Super flammable? Imagine like working as hard as you, you, you would to make a film, you know, as a director or a filmmaker. You know, you got all these people involved. You got lighting people. You've got people making the costumes. You've got the actors memorizing the lines, sound people, all this, all this work going into this thing. And then to have it be destroyed. Oh my gosh, imagine. It's a good thing it's easier to, you know, in the digital age to make copies or send yourself backup copies of things, you know? Speaking of music and films, boy, I tried to watch, because I read that Julia Fox book. I know I mentioned it last week, but, uh, because, you know, after reading that, I was thinking I had Julia Fox on the brain, and I thought to myself, I, I really would like to see that movie Uncut Gems again, just to see her performance in it, especially after reading this book where I got into her head, you know, 
for a good week and a half. I'm reading it every day and kind of uh, living vicariously through her, but just to observe her performance again. But I'll tell you something, man, and, and it's a well-made film, for sure, and there's some amazing performances in there, but I'm going to tell you, and I know I said this, I said this before, not on the podcast, but I think I might have put it on social media, that the soundtrack to that, I, I, I can't stand it. It's, it's so, it's so bad. I don't understand. And I, I know there are folks who love it. But, and I, I guess I mean like the opening, you know, what is it? Five and a half, six minute montage. You know, because the film kind of opens with the Adam Sandler character getting a colonoscopy. And there's like this this music playing. And then you kind of see his life. You kind of get a glimpse of his life. You know, in his work and whatnot. And the soundtrack playing under it is the most god-awful thing I've ever heard. It just does not pair at all well. It might pair with something else. I shouldn't I shouldn't say the music is bad. I imagine there's something else that it would go well with. And maybe I'm just maybe I'm just not maybe I'm just old, to put it frankly, but that soundtrack is god awful. And I, I don't blame the Safties at all. I think they're 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 very good filmmakers. And I can't say I'd had this problem with the other films of theirs that I've seen. But, oh, holy moly. Like, And I just thought to myself, they should make a version of uh, Uncut Gems without the soundtrack. Without, the, <laughs> without, without that horrible music. Awful. Anyway. Um, speaking of music, and this is a music podcast, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to play some clips. And the first one was music-related. And this is, uh, but oh, you know what? Before we get into it, uh, let's cue up the uh, the clip music, please, or the clip theme song. Go for it. Gracias. Whoa, we only need it once. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, the first clip I was going to play is music-related. This is Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he posted this initially, but I saw it on TikTok. And it's Weird Al Yankovic talking about uh, the Spotify plays that he got this year. As you, as you know, or as folks who uh, understand how Spotify works, artists will get uh, paid by the play, but the amount is very, very small. The amount of money. So this is Weird Al Yankovic commenting on the money he made from Spotify plays in 2023. Hey, how you doing? Al here. Uh, look, I'll make this really quick. I, I just want to thank you all for your amazing support. It's my understanding that I had over 80 million streams on Spotify this year. So uh, if I'm doing the math right, that means I earned $12. So, uh, you know, enough to get myself a nice sandwich at a restaurant. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks for your support and uh, thanks for the sandwich. <laughs> nice little diss. Very good. Yeah, not a fan. Spotify. Yes, the show is on Spotify. Um, but uh, I do not uh, care for the way they treat artists. 
These days, I, I do stream music. I try not to use Spotify. I try to buy music on Bandcamp if I can. I feel like that's the best way to support at least indie artists. But yeah, I do I do Apple Music. I do things that way. Okay, uh on another another clip on the music front. This is a a guy uh freestyling on a train. And uh this was kind of amusing. Someone happened to be on a train somewhere and catch this gentleman. Gentleman looks to be maybe in his 30s, maybe in his 40s. And uh, he is uh, he is enjoying himself freestyling or rapping off the dome, as they say, on a train. Check this out. I thought this was kind of fun. Fish, fish. Something I never miss. But then Tanya left me. And she took all the lunch meat. Salami, bologna, honey turkey, and pastrami. But it's all right. No need to fight. Cause I'ma have some popsicles. Uh, some popsicles. Yeah, it's so hot, so hot. And I need some popsicles. Some popsicles, y'all. Some popsicles. Uh, it's so hot, so hot. And I need some popsicles. Some popsicles, y'all. Some popsicles. Uh, it was all a dream. Some lady on the bus gave me some ice cream. <laughs> but then I had to question why I had the indigestion. It's because I'm lactose intolerant. All them dairy products, I can't have it. Got me feeling like I'm cooking a rabbit. <laughs> Did you love that? I thought that was adorable. <laughs> and I should say, that man looks like, you know, he could be going to a job. He doesn't appear to be in any kind of uh, medical distress. Uh, it doesn't appear to be, uh, you know, you, you know, like I it just appears to be a guy on a train who's enjoying himself singing about popsicles, y'all. <laughs> I love that clip. I thought that was a lot of fun. Okay, there was one more thing I wanted to play, and I'm hoping I can find it. Please tell me I have it. Okay, I do. Good. Okay. Uh, for those who may not be aware, we lost the Pogues lead singer, Shane McGowan, last week. And um, I found this clip of Kiefer Sutherland. And I don't know if this... I assume this, was, this clip was filmed while Shane McGowan was still alive. But this is, this is kind of a, a nice story about Kiefer Sutherland having a run-in with the Pogues' Shane McGowan. Check this out. This is the actor Kiefer Sutherland talking with an interviewer, recalling a run-in with Shane McGowan. Here it is. And in the back of the bar, there was a table set up, and there was a group having dinner. And the group was Sinead O'Connor, Van Morrison, Ronnie Wood, and Shane McGowan. What a group. And it's like a super I group. Thought, like, yeah, that's something you're never going to see. And I knew Ronnie Wood. And yeah. so he invited me up to say hello. And I introduced myself and I said hello. And I couldn't help but notice this is how we started our conversation. That Sinead O'Connor was drinking milk. Well, good honor. And everybody else was not. <laughs> and I sat down and then 
the you know the cardinal mistake of politics and uh, and the history of politics was started being discussed and Shane McGowan who I did not know uh, he and I did not share a similar view on the history of Scotland and before you know it the two of us were fighting and we were rolling around on the floor and I remember Van Morrison laughing and I won't get into the fight that yes. much, but it ended. Yes. And I got up and I said, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm very sorry. And I walked away. And Shane McGowan at that time had a cast on his right arm that looked as well lived in as anything I've ever seen. And he did not have a lot of teeth <laughs> no, at the no, time either. Sense yet. So fighting just seemed unfair. So I excused <laughs> myself and I, I went to the bar and I had a drink. And, and about three hours later, the bar is almost empty. Everybody's gone. And I get a tap on on the shoulder and it's Shane McGowan and he says oi I need a place to stay and I said you gotta be kidding me three hours ago we were fighting on the floor he said that was three hours ago now I need a place to stay and I said well what about your mates and he said they're gone and I was so kind of impressed with his directness that I said, well, do you want a drink? And he said, sure. So we sat and I had like the that. last drink, walked back to my hotel. Uh, I got out a bunch of blankets and I made a bed for him on the couch and a pillow. And he went to sleep and I went to sleep. And I got up in the morning expecting him to still be there because it was quite early. And all the blankets were perfectly folded. You couldn't have done it better. The pillow was on top of the blankets. And as I looked over to the desk, there was a note that he had written on the hotel stationery. And it was the most beautiful letter I'd ever read. Really? Uh, it was like poetry. And it was just a thank you note. It, but it was so generous and uh, the things he had to say about me. That's about where it ends. And our... Really sweet, though, huh? I love that. Rest in peace, Shane McGowan. At this point, I'm going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado... Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got some great comments from Tavy, Rhymed with Gravy, Waltz, Sherry, Jeffrey, Jessica, Dennis, and Jill. Particularly, I want to thank Jill for reminding me of people quitting cigarettes cold turkey and how that is a much more common thing to quit than heroin. Apologies if I sounded insane when I said it was most commonly referred to getting off heroin. This week, I will be rounding up some odds and ends of singles from 71 to 89 that I want to tell you about. Starting off uh, with a number nine hit for the dramatics is What You See Is What You Get. This is on the charts from July to October of 71. Uh, it was a number three hit on the R&B side. This was the first charting single from the group's debut album of the same name. They do have one other top 10 hit, In the Rain, which made it to number five in February of 72. And that was a number one R&B hit for the group. They have 10 Hot 100 appearances and many more on the R&B side. On that chart, they kept uh, having singles until 89 and then again in 96. And I learned that they also sang on Doggy Dog World with Snoop Dogg from his debut album Doggy Style. And that was a number 25 R&B hit. The dramatic started out in Detroit in 1964. They originally called The Sensations, then changed The Dramatics in 65. They bounced around from some different labels, then found success on the Stack subsidiary Volt and worked with writer-producer Tony Hester. This led to their breakthrough uh, with What You See Is What You Get. As of the 2010s, I learned that there were two different touring groups. Uh, one was the Dramatics featuring Willie Ford and also L.J. Reynolds' Dramatics, but I believe that has been resolved and only one that uh, remains is the latter. 
Up next is a number 91 hit for the group Tower of Power. It's called What is Hip? That was on the charts for two weeks in February into March of 74. This was five of eight Hot 100 appearances for the group. Um, You may know them for their biggest hit, So Very Hard to Go. That hit number 17 in 1973. And they had two other top 40 appearances. Uh, I love What is Hip. I first heard it on the Drew Carey Show. And Tower of Power are a band from Oakland. And they have uh, a lot of other songs that come up on the charts week to week. But this one is my favorite, so I wanted to make sure to get it in for you guys. The group is still together, and they are still touring, from what I can tell. And there are three original members in the group. Emilio Castillo on tenor sax and Steven Kruka on berry sax. They've both been with the band since 68. And I learned their drummer, David Garibaldi, uh, he was a founding member. He left for a while in the 80s and 90s, but he came back in 99. And I learned that uh, Lenny Pickett, uh, best known for being in the SNL band, was in Tower of Power from 72 to 81. And he's also a sax player. They charted throughout the 70s on the pop and R&B charts, and their three biggest U.S. singles also made it on the top 40 in Canada. Hitting a peak of number 83 on July 8th of 78 is a song Anytime by Journey. Uh, That was on the charts for four weeks. It was the second single off of the group's fourth album, Infinity. This was the first with lead singer Steve Perry. It became an FM radio staple. With any time following Feeling That Way, and they are tracks two and three respectively on side A of the album, After Lights. Uh, Feeling That Way, I was surprised to learn, was not the B-side of the Anytime single. That was Can Do. Both Feeling That Way and Anytime, uh, Steve Perry shares vocal duties with Greg Rowley, who had been their previous lead singer, and I really like how their voices sound together. And I really can't imagine hearing any time without feeling that way as the lead in. I always like to listen to them that way. Maybe just like a lesser note. I, lo- I, t- I think I've said before I tend to prefer that earlier era with Steve Perry, the, the Infinity Evolution Departure, because um, that's when they had Greg Rowley in the band, and I really like uh, what he brought to the group. Um, staying in 78, we have a number 32 hit for Stephen Bishop called Everybody Needs Love. Uh, that hit a peak on November 18th of 78. It was on the charts for five weeks. Stephen Bishop is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist from San Diego. This is one of four top 40 hits for him. He's best known for On and On. Uh, I really like this one for being up-tempo and funky, and because his vocal sounds a little bit like Jamiroquai to me. Um, he appeared in the movie Animal House as the guitar guy. He sang the theme for that movie, and he also had a soundtrack song for the movie Tootsie. He wrote many songs for other artists to perform. Um, up next is one I really like. Uh, it's called Hell on Wheels by Cher. It hit number 59 in October 13th of 79. It was the first single from her 16th album, Prisoner, and it was used in the Linda Blair movie Roller Boogie, and I'm sure that's where I first heard it. Uh, there's also a music video for the song, but it is not a movie tie-in video. It features Cher skating down a highway with horny truckers in hot pursuit, and there's also drag queens dressed as Bette Midler and Diana Ross. Um, and Wikipedia says that Cher was skating with a broken arm, and you can see in the video she has kind of like a sleeve covering her right arm, uh, covering the cast, I presume. Um, and the, it's considered one of the first modern music videos, and it debuted on the Midnight Special show. If I can, if I counting is correct, this is one of 33 Hot 100 appearances for Cher as a solo artist. 
and I recommend it to anybody that likes Cher. Up next, we have a song that was a number 86 hit for the group Triumph, uh, Lay It on the Line. That was on the charts for seven weeks in late 1979, hitting a peak on December the 8th. This is just another classic rock staple. Uh, this was the second single to hit the U.S. pop charts for the Canadian rockers Triumph off of their third album, Just a Game. They had seven total appearances on the Billboard Hot 100, and oddly enough, the first and last were the only ones to make it on the top 40. Uh, they had more chart success at home, and I saw a documentary on these guys a few years ago, and I learned that they were just an incredibly popular live act here in the States, you know, filling these big arenas and going on all these tours, and they were mainly known as a, being a trio, but they did add a fourth member for a while in 85, and they had a big uh, reunion a few years ago, and these guys seem like one that... Uh, they're very diehard fans. This next one, I wish there was a way that I could play it for you and never mention the artist. I feel like you would never guess. Uh, this is a number 35 hit called You Know That I Love You. It entered the charts at the end of 79, November 24th, hit a peak on February 2nd of 1980, and it was a group on their 11th album. They had a new singer, uh, Scotsman Alex Ligertwood. And the album was called Marathon, and this is by Santana. So it's such a different sound from their what they're known for, their signature sound in the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, you don't really hear much uh, Latin elements in this, in this song, although I haven't listened to the album as a whole, and it does have credits for players on timbales and congas. This to me, this sounds like a, any kind of AOR hit, album-oriented rock hit of the time, and the vocalist does have a Steve Perry-esque quality, um, which you know, the, if you know the history of Santana, that Neil Sean and Greg Rowley of Journey had been in Santana. I think that's kind of an interesting, huh, kind of a thing. Uh, could be a coincidence. I don't know. Is it, is it versus Journey? Who can say? Um, up next, we have a song that was uh, I've included by request, and that is I Know What Boys Like by The Waitresses. That was a number 62 hit in May 29th of 1982. It was on the charts for six weeks. And that was their only charting single in the U.S. Uh, it had first been recorded and released in 1980, but failed to chart. Although Wikipedia says it had some club success. Uh, the Waitresses was originally a side project by musician Chris Butler, who had been in a band called Tin Huey. And he made the record with just him and Patty Donahue on vocals. Then he put together the band The Waitresses and made a whole album. They made a whole album. Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? And then the single was re-recorded and at that time uh, did chart in the U.S. And also their Christmas song, uh, Christmas Rapping, was a number 45 hit in the U.K. And I did read that uh, they had released their theme for Square Pegs as a single. And you can see the single on Discogs, but sadly it did not chart. Um, I Know What Boys Like has been covered by a handful of artists, including the U.K. duo Shampoo. And we'll get more on them in about seven weeks. And finally, we're going to jump ahead all the way to 1989 uh, for a great Taylor Dane song with Every Beat of My Heart that hit number five on December 16th of 89. And uh, she was born Leslie Wonderman in Manhattan. And her family moved to Long Island when she was two. And she graduated from high school in Baldwin, as Mark Goodman always points out on the VJ Big 40 on 80s on 8. Taylor Dane is best known for dance songs like this one and Tell It To My Heart, though her sole number one hit was a ballad, Love Will Lead You Back. Taylor Dane had seven top ten hits in a row off her first two albums, uh, plus two more top 20, and she continued to have hits on the dance charts into the 2000s, most recently in 2011. 
Tell It To My Heart has twice been a lip sync for your life song, and Taylor Dane covered RuPaul's Supermodel for a movie soundtrack. There may be a bit of a mutual admiration society there. Uh, Well, that's all the time for me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. This has been episode 309 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace. <laughs>